Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, iberiabank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers' Comp, Resource Management, LLC, Fidelity Bank, and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. As you may know, from 1963 till 2008, New Orleans' population was shrinking. Every year, for 45 years, the city got continuously smaller. Now, today, things are different. We're one of the most popular destinations for people in the U.S. to move to, especially college grads. Now, although this migration reversal began organically with people coming to help rebuild after the devastation of 2005, the impact of these folks on the city, especially in business, is no longer being left to chance or circumstance. Two New Orleans organizations are dedicated to attracting business people to come here and encouraging them to stay. The New Orleans Business Alliance is a partnership between the city of New Orleans and private investors whose goal is to position New Orleans as America's greatest city for business investment, quality of life, and economic opportunity. The interim CEO of this crusade is Melissa Ellinger. Melissa, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Now, getting talented professionals to move here is one thing. But getting them to stay is the key to long-term success. And that's where Jessica Shaheen comes in. Uh, Jessica is executive director of 504, collaboration of many businesses and city groups. They provide opportunities and services to make life in New Orleans so fabulous for the 11,000 plus members of their organization that they never want to leave. Jessica, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start with your own life and career as an example of the kind of change we're seeing in New Orleans. Uh, like so many other young people who were born and raised here, you felt that if you wanted to make something of your life, you had to leave New Orleans. And you had no intention of coming back. Uh, but you did come back. And from your own experience, has day-to-day -day life in New Orleans really changed that much from when you left? Or are you still working to make sure that it does change? I think it's a combination of the two. So when I left New Orleans in 2004, today the city looks completely different in every way. Um, part of that is my own lens. I was, you know, only so smart as an 18-year-old and only exposed to you so many things. They think they're very smart. But I thought I knew everything. Yeah. And one thing I was certain of at 18 was that New Orleans was not the place for me. For you know, I didn't have a family business that I was going to inherit. I wasn't in oil and gas or hospitality. So why would I ever come back to New Orleans for my career? This is what I thought then. Um, the storm hit and levees failed while I was away at school. And I was quickly that girl who was the first to criticize my town, was now the first to defend it. Um, like you can... Only you can say something bad about your right. mama. Isn't that That's how I felt about <laughs> New Orleans. And so as soon as I could, I found my way back. And since returning in 08, every day is different. Every day is better. And constantly seeing progress 
part of that is because there's so much progress that needs to be done, but I think even just from 08 to today is transformational um, and so happy to be a part of it and seeing so many of my friends and peers be a part of that change too, which didn't exist. Now, now when you were criticizing the city uh, before, what were the things that the three or four points that you kept bringing up? Sure. So I guess at that time, the city just felt very corrupt to me. And part of that was my idealism the, as an 18-year-old. And our elected officials and in jail. And the elected officials the in jail, thing, yes, there's I, no doubt. But I just, I felt like this was a place where business was done by lining people's pockets. And the people who really needed, um, needed those services, needing something to be done, didn't ever see it. And so I thought I was going to go change the world and I was going to go to D.C. to go do that and realize D.C. is no different, if not far worse, in many ways. And they didn't need me or want me, but New Orleans, especially post-Katrina, did. And that as an individual, I could make a difference that I couldn't make in any other city. Now, Melissa, the reason you're the interim CEO of the New Orleans Business Alliance is that the previous CEO quit. Um, gotta be honest here, reportedly for a better business opportunity, and here's the best part, in Detroit. So, um, now although that irony is not lost on us, what does it tell us about the competition from other cities that also portray themselves as centers of opportunity, other than the obvious advantages we have in food, music, and potholes? Um, are there re reoccurring reservations you hear from businesses that when they're faced with choosing us over other cities? Sure, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, we joke that, that Rod Miller, my predecessor, didn't see enough blight here in New Orleans, so he decided <laughs> he needed to go to Detroit. Um, but, but no, sure, it's a, it's, a, it's a question we hear all the time, companies coming um, and visiting, taking a look at sites. They, we know they're looking at our competitor markets and how do we you know, distinguish ourselves. So the first thing most people think about is incentives. Um, Louisiana has incredibly competitive incentives. That now makes this might help us out a little bit. This would might be to financing for a facility or sure, it, it runs the gamut. So probably most locals know about the film credit. So if you come and pr do a movie production in New Orleans, you get to write off a certain percentage of your costs. And so now we are number one over LA and New York for film production. Those credits apply to research and development. We've got other digital media related incentives. There's some property and facilities development incentives. So those are great. Those make my job a lot easier. Um, <laughs> Louisiana Economic Development is out there promoting these incentives all over the country. Um, so that gets them, that hooks them. Okay. But really the, the, where the make or break decisions come is, is around workforce. So they can find the best possible site. They can save, you know, 35% on their tax bill. But if they cannot find the right qualified employees, they're not going to make the move. Now, Jessica, let me ask you, uh, it seems to me that you, we're attracting a lot of young people in here, mm -hmm. and what sometimes people will say to me is, you know, once they have children, they're going to want to go somewhere else. Sure. I mean, um, is that what happens, or is this now being viewed as a place you could raise a family? So this is something that's very near and dear to my heart as a new mom myself. I have a seven-month-old, so I'm going through this process um, personally. And that was one of our big fears. And when we started 504, it was we thought, all these people moving here, this is a short-term adventure and they'll want to get a real job and go somewhere else, or once they're ready to have kids, they'll go somewhere else. And what we're finding is that's true for some. Of course, there's natural attrition. But for so many more people, they're saying, no, I am going to have my career here, and I am going to have a family here. And they're seeing that New Orleans is a great place to raise a family. 
we've historically promoted ourselves as four blocks of Bourbon Street. Right. So that doesn't necessarily translate to family friendly, but you know, that very same holiday of Mardi Gras is actually a great family event up and down the, you know, up and down St. Charles on Napoleon, even out in Metairie and the other parishes have a great family-like experience. So I'm seeing people who are saying, you know what, we, we're glad we're New Orleanians and we want our children to be New Orleanians. So they're having babies, they're staying here. And most exciting for me is seeing my peers who are about to have kids or just started to, and they're returning home to be close to grandparents. So they are actively choosing. It's not just, oh, we're here and we've happened to start our family. They're saying, we want to have our family in New Orleans. Both of you have that issue of uh, the schools. Uh, make sure that's something businesses ask and then, you know, so that we don't get them to just run away and spawn upriver or something. You know, we want them to have their children, children here. Uh, is, is the school story part of your, the turnaround there, part of your story? No doubt. Um, we have seen, as, as most folks know, just incredible improvement in our in our public schools, um, and so we we tout that left and right. We have you know highest graduation rates, or, you know top scholars are just off the chart. Um, on the other hand, side of it, the private and parochial schools, while ideally you know there comes a day where everyone has a public school that they want to go to. Our private schools are actually, when you com compare us to other cities, are incredibly affordable. They're about half the price. That's so even I mean if you decide, you know, for whatever reason that you want to send your child to those schools, we still win there. We're having some victories. This is uh, <laughs> the, this is good to know. And and now this is the part of the uh, show where we're going to kind of go off off course here a little bit. It's the, we call it the checklist. It's the part of the show where we take a little break and ask a quick question that you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. So I'll <laughs> I'll start with uh, I'll start with Jessica. Um, um, what what are your what, what were your career plans back when you were in college? And where did you go to school, by the way? Sure. I went to the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, beautiful, beautiful part of the country. Fantastic that school. Tommy Jefferson's place. Absolutely. Yeah, Thomas that, Jefferson exactly. is everywhere. I know more about our third president than most should, I feel. Um, what, were, what were you thinking back then? Sure. So I thought I would go into either some sort of nonprofit lobbying was really what I was thinking, and I was going to head to D.C. and really influence um, policy on a national level is what I thought I would do. Um, and I was an American Studies major, and so part of that was learning about some of these little mundane things that we take for granted, and but really permeate and influence our environment and our society as a culture. And as I kept learning about these things on a national scale, I kept being reminded of those unique qualities of New Orleans, and especially the timing with Katrina. You're savoring each of those little morsels and trying to protect them and make sure they grow, that it led me you know, away from national policy to, okay, how do we really protect and promote New Orleans, New Orleans culture, and part of that is making sure more people know about it and ha converting more people to fall in love with it and protect it. And that really kind of led me, you know, to 50 forward um, and helping kind of this next generation of New Orleanians. Melissa, we're gonna make sure you don't run off to Detroit. That's very important, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, what, what is the best career advice you've ever been given? So I'm a recovering lawyer. Oh. I practiced um, for about eight years prior to taking a career shift and going back to school for urban planning. And so I guess sort of follow your gut is, is um, our words to live by. It was a kind of a risky move. Everyone thought I was insane. Um, but I just didn't want to do the law for 
30 more years. And so I went back to school. I came home, went to UNO, and haven't left. And so it's been a, that's been a good move. That, uh, that, was, that was chancy. Mm -hmm. Worked out. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> Let's take a look at our inbox. Now, uh, our producer picks a question that's come in over the past week. Uh, there were quite a few. Grant, what have you got for us? Yeah, Peter, as you can imagine, there's a lot of people talking about how New Orleans is changing. So I have picked two very important questions that have come in from two of our listeners, both on Facebook. This one, especially important, from Carla Rose Jacob, who asks, why don't we have a Trader Joe's here? <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take that one. Um, so the Business Alliance, um, as you mentioned, is charged with economic development for the city of New Orleans. So we focus exclusively on Orleans Parish as sort of the economic core of the region. Um, and we have a retail attraction group. So as part of our um, funding from the mayor, he recognized the real need for retail and said, Part of what I need you guys to do is get out there and tell this story and get get some more retail. I think he in actually Orleans. said, "I want to be the mayor should be able to buy underwear in, in the city." I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> that, that may be true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, part of our core work is going out, meeting with retailers nationally, regionally, locally, um, to talk about expansion and talk about um, new headquarters here. And worry not, was it Carla? Um, Trader Joe's is on the short list, so oh. we're um, actively. You know, recruiting them and hoping that they, they, they come to our market. And part of what, what we're realizing is that to have a lot of these young professionals and empty nesters and others want to stay, you need those retail amenities. People do not want to have to get in their car to go buy underwear. I, you know, I actually know this from some work at the city, but we had, it was unbelievable what percentage of uh, Orleans Parish people sh had to shop in Jefferson Parish. Oh, we had, I think in, um, last year we had 1.9 billion, that's billion with a B, dollars um, of sales tax revenue lost to surrounding parishes. Um, the good news is in the last year we've actually seen, uh, I think, a 9.6% increase in sales tax revenue in Orleans. So what we're doing is working. Um, you know, it, we were instrumental in helping bring Costco here. We worked with the guys over at Riverwalk to get that developed. Um, so those kinds of big projects um, that sell products that are not currently available are, are great for the city because they're easy, but they're also great for the city because they grow that general fund, which allows us to do a lot of infrastructure work and um, support other major projects. I know our members moving to New Orleans and returning, they want to support the city that they're in. They believe in a strong urban core, so you see a huge demographic within Orleans Parish, and they want to spend their money in Orleans Parish, so having more of those retail opportunities is huge and a real passion point for, for the young professionals here. Dara Heyman asks us, how does New Orleans crime affect a business or a person's decision to relocate here? Sure. As a whole, I've found that people are aware of it. It's always being talked about. It's always at the forefront of people's minds. Safety. Am I safe? Is my family safe? Is my business safe? But as a whole, I find that their focus is more importantly on this is an issue. How do we fix it? And how do we make it better? And so the day-to-day -day interaction is minimal, but the awareness of it is very high, which is a double-edged sword. It makes you feel a little less safe, but you're also more invested in the community and wanting to make it better because you know it isn't fixed yet and it isn't right. I would think particularly when, once you've decided to really set roots and have a family, you know, mm -hmm. you might be willing to live with a crime on a, 
on a level as a young single person that you wouldn't as a family member. Absolutely, and I see that influencing where people are, what neighborhoods people want to live in, where they want to buy their house, and their level of engagement goes up. Okay, I'm living in this neighborhood, I'm excited about it, I'm joining the community watch group, I want to be active in crime cameras and being supportive of that network, and so they, they buy all in um, because their tolerance has shifted from probably pretty high as a young single professional to a little bit lower now that they have others that they're keeping in mind. Um, it's, I think it's a natural progression and thankfully it's a, it's a constant part of the conversation so it can't be forgotten or thought of as just this little part of town's issue or that part of town. Right. Everyone knows we're all on board with this and we all sink or we all swim. Right, now M Melissa, Jessica, I want to take a minute to introduce you to Alex Goss. Now, we met Alex through 52 businesses who specialize in uncovering entrepreneurs in the early stages of development. Uh, Alex's entrepreneurial idea is called The Collector, and I will tell you that we don't know what it is either, so don't feel bad. This is going to work out. Uh, I'm going to give Alex one minute to tell you about it. Then I'm going to give you each a chance to ask Alex one question, a question you think he'll need to be able to answer to move his business forward. Uh, Alex, give us your pitch. All right, I appreciate it and the opportunity. Um, you know, being in my early 30s, I've recently gone to a number of different bachelor parties and also being in charge of some fantasy football leagues. I've kind of started to realize that collecting money from friends is uh, it's kind of a pain. Um, so the Collector app seeks to solve that problem. What the Collector app does is it sends automatic reminders via text message or email to your friends to remind them to pay and it makes it incredibly easy for those friends to pay. They don't have to sign up for a website or download an app. They simply just put their credit card information in or use their bank account and get you paid back um, seamlessly. Um, and it lets you know when you're paid back and if they haven't paid you back, because sometimes friends tend to be forgetful, they keep getting those reminders. So that's kind of the idea. So to, uh, make my life easier and hopefully the rest of us <laughs> trying to remind us. Because it's an uncomfortable things. thing to It's extremely uncomfortable. And, yeah. and the issue really is the reminding. Nobody wants to continue to remind their friends or feel like a bill collector when it comes to personal acquaintances. I can see this being big in the market with bookies, for instance. Exactly. That's a great idea. <laughs> well, it's not my question that counts. It's <laughs> Melissa and Jessica. Who wants to start? Um, I'll start. Yeah. I'm curious, who do you see as your major competitors, and then how do you distinguish your product? Um, it's a great question. Uh, our competitors are the existing platforms that are out there, like PayPal, um, Venmo is another popular, uh, I call them P2P or peer-to-peer -peer payment apps. But none of those apps really do all three things great. They don't none of them send reminders out. Um, they don't group your friends into like, you know, bachelor party group A, or it's just you'd send out kind of to a multitude of friends. Um, and finally, they, it doesn't create a dashboard that really makes it easy to see who's paid and, who's, and who hasn't paid. But if you were to ask me one differentiating factor, it would be the reminders. And then what do you see as your biggest barriers to entry here? You know, what's, what's slowing you down from being huge? From being huge? Uh -huh. um, Certainly not indebtedness. There's lots no, of that. No, yeah, yeah. 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 All my friends paid me. I mean, this, this thing would be funded. Um, probably just uh, development. Development takes a long time. Um, user interface has to, for for this specific application has to be perfect, and um, getting that created in a way that's intuitive and easy to use. It's not just uh, you know snap your fingers and you get an app. It takes some time to make to test it and make sure it works. 
And uh, would you like to shout out to anyone who actually owes you money right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, thanks so much for coming by today. We'll look forward to following your progress with The Collector. Now, we're going to stick around a little longer uh, after the show and talk some more about The Collector. Uh, mm -hmm. You'll be able to hear the rest of the conversation with Alex Goss on our website, itsneworleans.com. Melissa Ellinger, Jessica Shaheen, uh, New Orleanians are both excited and cautious about the changes we're seeing in our city. Uh, people may be reassured to know that this is not all rampant runaway growth, uh, that you and your organizations are dedicated to capitalizing on this opportunity and funneling growth in the right direction. So thanks for everything you're doing for the city, and thank you both for joining me on Out to Lunch. Thanks so much yeah. for having us. I feel better pleasure. already. Thank you. <laughs> this, uh, my guests on Out to Lunch today have been Jessica Shaheen, Executive Director of 504, and Melissa Ellinger. She's the Interim CEO of New Orleans Business Alliance. You can find out more about Jessica's and Melissa's organizations and how to find them and join them by following the links on our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Fashionista Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsneworleans.com and www.no.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. Information about Baton Rouge-based PreSonus is online at presonus.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients. Clients, serving Louisiana clients for 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, IberiaBank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp, Resource Management, LLC, Fidelity Bank, and 30 North Investments.